superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Davis writhing in pain on the floor. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Kind of re-aggravated. You know, the injury head. I told you, the Lakers can't win this without uh, street clothes. You want to explain that? I call him after the street clothes Davis, because he's always in street clothes. (laughs) (laughs) The Rich Eisen Show, live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Earlier on the show, host of ESPN's The Jump, Rachel Nichols, Buccaneers head coach, Bruce Arians. Coming up, sports media personality, John Boy. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air here in Los Angeles, California, where the Lakers took a major, well, we'll be, well, the game happened in Phoenix, but the Lakers are um, are now down three games to two. Tonight, the Clippers welcome in the Mavericks in a pivotal Game 5 that I can only hope is as remotely as entertaining as the Game 5 we saw last night in Denver. Um, Rachel Nichols of the jump on an hour one. Bruce Arians, the defending Super Bowl winning head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on an hour number two. If you missed any of that, go to our YouTube stream, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Over 271,000 subscribers enjoy the archives there and what we post every single day uh, that we conduct here on Peacock and this Rich Eisen Show radio station and network, whether terrestrial or satellite. There's our podcast, too, by the way, that you can get through Westwood One. This show is posting every day uh, as a podcast. It has been for, for seven years, and we appreciate those uh, who consume this show on demand with their ear gate. Uh, and this show does re-air on NBC Sports on Peacock every single day. In other words, we're in your face, and you can't get us away. <laughs> uh, John Boy's going to join us uh, coming up, and I can't wait to talk with him. He talked. We we had him on for the first time on opening day of baseball, mm. and one thing I'll, I can't wait to talk with him about because we follow up. We follow up here when Mike Schilt, the uh, manager of the St. Louis Cardinals, went all ham. Uh, after a, a loss, uh, a game in, uh, in uh, pardon me, not a loss, but uh, a game in Chicago when Joe West uh, made his pitcher change hats because they saw um, a spot on his hat and they saw him go to his arm where there's sunscreen on his arm. And, you know, Mike Schilt was essentially saying, everybody's cheating, people are putting gunk on their hands and... Uh, we're not cheating, and baseball is now going to tell my guy to change hats when they're just knowing that everybody else is cheating in baseball. And this was in conjunction with an athletic story that uh, that there's all sorts of 
uh, glue and strands of glue and sticky stuff that's being found on baseball, baseballs around uh, around ma- uh, Major League Baseball. JT Real Muto coming out and basically saying this is happening. Catcher of the Phillies. Why is it being allowed to happen? Major League Baseball is saying that they're taking the year to investigate it. And then comes a collective bargaining agreement conversation with, uh, with the players. And it just sounds like, once again, that baseball doesn't want, as even Mike Schilt said, we'll replay his comments before John Boyd joins us. Even Mike Schilt said that baseball doesn't want a black eye for people. They don't want a scandal on their hands. Well, if you let it go for a full year, then what are we doing? everybody's going to be caught in this net. And then what are you going to do? Just put out some sort of directive and nobody pays for it? No, it's going to be like the Mitchell report back then where guys could right. use steroids just, and then they, they anonymously tested an 3 and then everybody's name's going to get leaked anyway. And so John Boyd did one of his fantastic usual breakdowns that we can't play here on the Rich Eisen Show, not only because it's long, it was 11 minutes long, but it's also uh, on occasion profane. And, um, <laughs> and his point is that basically, so by baseball coming out and saying, we're going to investigate this this year, so you be careful. And we'll let you know by the end of the year what we're going to find out. It's basically telling everybody, do what you want for a year. That you may be caught up in the consequences, but as we already learned with the Astros, not everybody will. And so you're seeing insane amounts of no-hitters, and you're seeing tons of Games that are 1-1 and 2-1 or perfect examples. What I watched last night with the Yankees in the in the race. First of all, the Yankees starting lineup had not one, not two, not three, but four players batting under 200. Four. And well, that Tyler, doesn't... Tyler Glass now doesn't help when you're facing that guy. That does also d- did not include um, Gary Sanchez hitting... 200. So five Yankees were started last night in a big game against uh, the defending American League champs who have went on a, an insane winning streak to put themselves right up there with the Red Sox, and the Yankees are now falling back. But five guys hitting at the Mendoza line or under. And then it was really intense in, I believe it was the seventh inning of a 3-3 game. Two men on, first and third, two outs. And Michael Kay said it was a, a no ball and play inning or something along the lines. What does that mean? Well, the two guys that were on were by walks. The two outs that were on the board were by strikeouts. And the reason why the guy was at third is because a, a, a pitch got away. <laughs> and here we go. Two guys on, two outs. Not a single ball had been put in play. All inning. And I'm wondering, like, no wonder this doesn't feel right even though I'm on the edge of my seat. And the one ball that was put into play, Clint Frazier went and made some sort of head first dive and grab to keep from hitting the turf. Because if he didn't catch it, Yankees would have lost. Because, you know, they're not going to get another run. And they did, though. They got two in the extra innings because Clint Frazier had a home run. run, But part of the reason why he might have gotten a good pitch is because there were ducks on the pond. One of them is automatically placed there because it's extra innings, and I officially now hate that rule. Welcome aboard. I know that. It took me a while. I'm like, hey, let's see how this goes. Well, I don't like it. And I don't like the seven-inning – 
I don't like the the I don't like the seven inning double header stuff too. But again, we're in the era of COVID. Let's get through all this and see if baseball will revisit it. But I, I want to talk to John Boy about all of this. I want to talk to him about all of this. That's coming up in about 13 minutes' time. It'll be a great conversation. Let's take a phone call, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Ben in Mississippi, been a while. What's up, Ben? How you been? Richie, Richie, crew, how are things? We're hanging in there, Ben. What's up, brother? What's on your mind? First things first, fully vaccinated. Not a boy. Good. Spoiler alert, science works. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, (laughs) science works. Number two. Yes. Number two. Two months ago, I called in about Brad Stevens. I kind of tried to tell you. I said he probably would. I said a year, but he's no longer the head coach in Boston. But what I really called for was, you know, as you say, things are cyclical, right? They come up, they go down. I love that you listen to me, Ben. Thank you. The, The Green Bay Packers have been perennial playoff teams for the last 30 years. But before that, they were a dumpster fire for about 20. The Aaron Rodgers fiasco. I think it's going to have long-term effects through this franchise because what we've seen with Aaron Rodgers is not on the field for the Green Bay Packers. They stink. They stink. So whatever happens, whether he plays and this is his last year or he doesn't play at all, the overall long-term effects that I think this is going to have on the Green Bay Packers, I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, 4-13, and 13, but – the Green Bay Packers, I think, are on their way down. And considering, again, considering the fact that I did give you plus 17 Buccaneers and Brad Stevens was in trouble as the head coach, I think I'm going three for three, Rich. All right. Well, let us let me just answer this this way, Ben. Let me call up Aaron Rodgers' game log because I want to uh, get this date correct. Because I remember – what happened before in Green Bay, just like you did. Now, you're going back to the Lynn Dickey, Magic Man type years, you know, when they were definitely struggling before Brett Favor got drafted by Atlanta and then eventually traded to them. So um, I want to make sure I get this correct because I was there, man. I was there at his on his draft night. I was there on NFL game day morning. Um, pardon me. I was there on NFL Total Access when Mike Mayock was making his bones as a talent evaluator on national television and called Aaron Rodgers being drafted 24th overall um, right down to the – he pegged it right down to the number. And so I remember when Favre was Favre at the end of his Packers career and we all saw the drafting of Aaron Rodgers. And this was before somebody gets drafted in the first round and you had to start him because there was a construct – Uh, monetarily and contractually that put the onus on the teams to figure out in the first three to four years of his career whether he's worth having get uh, a contract worth you know a hundred million dollars so now I've tap danced long enough to find the date I remember this was all happening and Favre was playing it out and he was he going to retire was he not he was pissed he was pissed and we're all sitting there going well I mean Favre is playing such a high level why did they draft Aaron Rodgers in the first place? I mean, that was part of a conversation. And then, like, well, Aaron Rodgers, for sure, this was the conversation, was not going to be as good as Brett Favre. I mean, like, uh, how difficult is it to go from one generationally talented quarterback to another? And then I was in Dallas, the old Texas Stadium, 
uh, on, here's the date, on November 29th, 2007. I was there that night. It was an NFL Network special for the Green Bay Packers versus the um, Dallas Cowboys. And it was big because Romo, who had Favre uh, on his walls as a kid, was the quarterback of the the Cowboys, this newfangled guy, right? Mm -hmm. And, And Favre was the starter. And he and the Cowboys, I think one of the teams is undefeated and the Cowboys, I think, had only one loss or something like that. Big game. I remember this game. And Favre gets hurt. And then all of a sudden, Aaron Rodgers comes in. And I'm standing there with Mooch. Um, Sterling Sharp was part of the broadcast team that night. And we're all standing there, Marshall Falk, and we're all standing in the end zone, and we're watching Aaron Rodgers come out. And Aaron Rodgers was 18 of 26 for 201 yards in a score and also ran five times for 30 yards. And every time he threw the ball, we were all looking at each other going, Holy crap. This guy's this this guy wasn't the first overall pick in that draft. <laughs> We're like, this is the guy that's sitting there for two years waiting to get his start? Three years. Three years. Aaron Rodgers going into that game. Let me get the let me get the numbers right. He had 16 attempts his rookie season. He had 15 attempts his second season. And he had just two attempts going into that game. He's year three. And we're like, what the hell is that? And guess who was the starter the next year? Him. And guess who's the first ballot Hall of Famer? Him. So I will counsel, despite me saying that I think the Packers should bend over backwards for Aaron Rodgers. I will counsel against you saying that they're about to start stinking. Because I don't know how good Jordan Love is. And I have a feeling I have no idea how good he is. And sure enough, like Aaron Rodgers makes him look like a crusty veteran in the two years of attempts he got in his first two years. So, um, or he looks make, makes Aaron Rodgers look like a crusty veteran because he's got he got nothing last year. I'll counsel against that, Ben. I will counsel I against that. Right. And thank you for the call. But let me just reiterate here: you have to go with what you have when you have it. You have to. And what they have right now, Aaron Rodgers is playing, yes, I'll say it, at a higher level than Brett Favre was playing in his last year there. And I know he took the Packers to the playoffs. And that was the year in which the... New York Giants shocked the world, including beating and ending Favre's Packers career in a frozen day where I think Tom Coughlin's face Still. finally just thawed out. <laughs> and Eli won that game. And that end, that was Favre's last game as a Packer. It was. And it launched Aaron Rodgers' starting career after Favre said, I'm still coming back. And they're like, no, this is it. This is it. So I'll counsel against saying Jordan Love can't be. But I'll go the other direction and say Rodgers is better now than what Favre was in 2007. Ooh. I'll say that right now. Because as we know, Favre went to the Jets. That stunk on ice. And then he was as terrific, you know, and and 
evading father time as much as possible for the Vikings. Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Favre wasn't the MVP that year. Last guy who won an MVP and then did not start for his team the next year was Jim Brown because he retired to go make movies. Favre was 38 in 07. Well, I mean, Rodgers is closing in on that. Went 13-3. and I know that. I mean, They were the team that was supposed to go to the Super Bowl again, but Eli had different intentions. So did that defense. Go with what you got when you got it. And right now what you got is Aaron Rodgers, and the only way to make him happy is Lord knows what. <laughs> Great point. Rich, I like to point out that in that game you talked about, Tony Romo had 300 yards and four no, touchdowns. I just want to throw that no, out no, there. No, 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 uh, But it was know, a hell of a night. Yeah, they I just won the to throw game. That out there. They won the game. Yeah. But when Favre went out, it took all the air out because we were, we were hyping it. Romo grew up, loved Favre, had Favre's poster on his wall. Here's Brett Favre himself, young buck, trying to get the Cowboys to where Favre is taking the Packers. Tune in to NFL Network, everybody. I and then Favre got hurt. And then, well, here comes the backup. That's the end of this game. And then he started throwing the ball, and we're like, what the hell is this? Who is this? Yes. Yeah. It was like with your own two eyes. I remember looking at Marshall and Marshall looking at me, and his first thought was Favre's finished. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we'll get him on. Yeah. His first thought is like, Favre better watch his back with this retire, unretire thing. Aaron Rodgers is special. Fact. Man. He's special. From out the gate. I was there that night, saw it with my own two eyes. So Jordan Love might be that. Odds are, maybe not, because you don't go from Hall of Famer first ballot, Hall of Famer first ballot, to somebody who's even in the realm. Let's take a break. John Boy, when we come back, and then still to come on this show, Arthur Smith has chimed in on Julio Jones, who, as of this word, is still an Atlanta Falcon. John Boy of John Boy Media, when we come back on the Rich Eisen Show. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What was your baseball game like? My baseball game, actually my baseball game was pretty good, but I, I couldn't, I didn't play in high school. I played like recreational league in um, Babe Ruth. Okay. And I used to pitch. Pitch yeah. as well. Pitch and hit, yeah. So what was your pitching game like? The uh, pitching game was pretty good. I mean, I didn't, you know, I, 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 had a, I was a heavy ball. I didn't know, I had no idea what, what I, how fast I was throwing. Huh. But people used to say, man, you got a heavy ball. So when you were watching you swing in Major League as Pedro Serrano, yeah. is that your swing? That's my swing. Huh. Oh, and I don't know if we ever talked about this, but okay. every ball I hit out, mm-hmm. I hit out, except not as far as they shot it out, because they have to reverse the camera. Hold on a second, Dennis Haysman. <laughs> 
how many how many home runs did you hit? Well, I hit, major well I hit three in, in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. I think I hit three in the movie. I hit every one of them I hit out. Okay. And all the batting practice you you Oh yeah. I used to hit oh yeah, I used to hit routinely. So were you the best hitter of all the actors? In I that would movie? say so. I would say so. So Charlie and I were the only guys that could really pay, play baseball. Um, Wesley was really athletic. Okay. And could run, but uh, wasn't he, much of a hitter. He couldn't hit, but you, but could Charlie hit, or he was just Charlie could hit, and Charlie could pitch. But you went yard more than anybody else in the cast of, oh, of yeah. Major League, except for the you know the guys, the, the baseball guys that were out there. <laughs> Actual. So who was the worst? Oh, I can't. I won't say. Yes, that. you can. You oh, absolutely man. can. That microphone works. <laughs> Corbin Burnson, could he? Uh, Corbin was okay. Uh, I think Tom Tom Berenger was like maybe the no the worst. Yeah. I love you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> he forced it out of me, man. Were you superstitious as well? Are you a, um, are you a superstitious guy? Uh, uh, not really, but I realized how superstitious baseball players are. That is no of that. There is no doubt. I mean, I used to have a lot of guys come up to me and say, you know, hey, man, we used to play this movie on the bus going to the game. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, set firecrackers off on my on our bats to, <laughs> you know, to wake them up. Did anybody have rum? Did anyone incorporate they rum? They started using that. Um, a lot of guys said they started Baseball using Baseball players started yeah. using that. Do you have any artifacts from the film anywhere? I you still- finally got a Joe Boo doll. I don't have the original because I wanted to get rid of that because, uh, you know, that was voodoo I was practicing. And I said, you know what? Certain things you got to leave on the set. <laughs> you know, and somebody took that and I don't know where they are now because I haven't heard from them again. Right. So they, they took a voodoo doll, man. I said, okay. No kidding. No. So I, have a, I have a facsimile. You have a facsimile of, of Joe Boo. Great stuff with Dennis Haysbert back in the day. YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show for our full archive. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show with our radio audience joining our Peacock streaming audience. Um, as you know, we, we always try to follow up for you, certainly when a story jumps out at us and fascinates all of us as, um, you know, whatever the hell is going on in Major League Baseball involving the, the, the baseballs and whatever substance is being put on it, an athletic story saying that a, a baseball that was taken out of play because a rookie had just gotten a first hit and uh, after a game, the ball's being passed around a bus and players are still pulling strands of glue off it. And, um, and talk of spin rate and, and the skyrocketing number of no-hitters and the lack of balls being put into play. Just making the game, as Don Mattingly called it, unwatchable. My idol, Donnie Baseball, calling the game unwatchable at times. And then Mike Schilt of the St. Louis Cardinals, a manager, essentially giving up the ghost after his uh, reliever, Gio Gallegos, comes into a game in Chicago. Country Joe West, full of vim and vigor after setting the all-time record for most games umpired the night before, makes him change his hat because he saw a speck of white on the bill. And all of a sudden, now the thin blue line materializes and Mike Schilt is like WTF. Schilt happens, if you will. It hit the fan. This is what he had to say. There are people that are effectively and not even trying to hide, essentially flipping the bird at the league with how they're cheating in this game with concocted substances. There are players that have been monetized for it. 
There are players that are obviously doing it, going to their glove. There's clear video of it. You can tell the pitchers that are doing it because they don't want to go to their, their mouth, which Geo does off the rubber. And understandably, and I know comfortably, Major League Baseball is, is trying their best to do it in a manner that doesn't create any black eye for the integrity of the game that we love. But speaking of integrity, how about the integrity of the guys that are doing it clean? How about the guys that are pitching their tails off in Major League Baseball and doing it clean that have an unfair competitive advantage for the guys that are clearly loading up with concoctions that they actually advertise, don't do anything to hide, even in plain view. That's the guys I'm speaking for. I'm speaking up for the hitters that have a living to make facing stuff that's already really, really good. And you can see, based on spin rates, how guys' careers are jumping off the charts. And then you can do cause and effect. Now, I don't want to be, look, is our house 100% clean? I certainly hope so. Am I creating more of an opportunity? Because I just spoke to our pitchers. Am I creating more of a, 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 I mean, awareness to our group? Potentially. But let's go check the guys that are sitting there going their glove every day with filthy stuff coming out, not some guy before he's even stepped on the mound with a spot on his hat. That's how you want to start policing this? I mean, mm. I remember what I said at the time. Like, what's he referring to? Let's get uh, John Boy on the show, right? And I said that to you? Did. Well, here he is of John Boy Media. John Boy had a phenomenal breakdown of this on YouTube back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, John Boy? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you want to chat about it. Because damn straight. Nobody wants to talk about this. Why? Uh, Why? I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I usually have a lot of baseball reporters or you know, quote unquote verified people in the baseball world share the breakdowns, comment on them, and this one got like nothing. It's it, no one wants to touch it. Is it because everybody's doing it? Is that why? Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's because the players haven't actively come out and said, we don't like this until this season. And, and the, it's the first time, and I think, you know, you listen to the players, and it, there's some players now, and now a manager on record saying it's cheating and we don't like it, and that voice is going to grow louder, and then hopefully people care. But for right now, no one seems to care. I, I I'm I'm stunned. So um, honestly, you know, and I'm I've, I've been around long enough to 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 be hard bitten or um, completely, you know, uh, immune to seeing stuff that just makes you shocked. I mean, I I was sitting on Sports Center set during the steroid ever man uh, era, you know, uh, and so now now this kind of just surprises me because it's affecting the game. It's affecting the. Forget about pace of play. You wanna you wanna spice things up. How about how about getting this crap off of people's hands that makes the spin rates turn the baseballs into being unhittable? What is the stuff that you're that you think is on the baseballs, John Boy? There, well, there's a lot now. Like um, on the Chris Rose show, uh, Baralt and Trevor Williams said some guys are using like ceramic cement. What? Uh, I know Bauer had talked about. Uh, you know, firm grip and pine tar and rosin, and I even heard like Coca boiled in Coca Cola till it's hard. Uh, Pelican grip is now basically it is what it is. Uh, one of those concoctions that they sell now it's called Pelican grip. 
and it's 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 just like glue. And the big difference is, you know, it's not for grip; it's for spin. I think that's the easiest way to let people know this is different than what we've really dealt with in the past, where it's it, it you know a lot of times it is for grip. And batters always said, well, "I don't care if he needs a better grip; I'd, I'd rather him throw it in the zone than right. out of the zone." Right. But what happened was, it's really interesting, kind of fascinating story of the development of this. Because in the early 2000s, uh, the Angels kind of developed it. Well, or maybe it was Troy Percival told the Angels um, club he had to make it. And, but they didn't have the high-resolution spin rate cameras then. So I don't think they had the combination of like, oh, this leads to this, because they didn't have the tech and people weren't counting spin rate. Mm-hmm. They just thought, you know, he's got a jackrabbit fastball or late life. But now that we're getting these formulas and concoctions, plus the ability to throw a pitch with it on your fingers, off your fingers, and see the instant difference, it's going crazy because every pitcher is saying, whoa, uh, it's an instant fix. You watch more baseball than anybody that maybe I know of, John Boy, and break it down. I mean, you're also one of the world-class lip readers of all time. It's impressive how you can read all the lips that you do. So when I'm watching a game, what, what should I look for from a pitcher to know something's up? What do I see? After a foul ball. So after every foul ball, watch where the pitcher's hand goes because that means he's getting a new ball that hasn't been doctored yet. Right. So, um, you know, usually it's the inside of the glove. They used to hide it more and go, you know, brim over the hat. A lot of people do that. But now because they kind of free-range this season to do it, uh, you know, and I think the broadcast showed Karen Shack on the Indians last night go into the glove, and it's really in the, the thumb of the glove. You'll see them go. But it's whenever they get a new ball in play, so after a home run or a foul ball. Foul balls are the easiest. And you'll, you'll be able to tell. And I like what Schilt said uh, when he said, watch people who lick their fingers because those guys aren't putting the stuff on the ball if they're licking their fingers. I like that note. So is it clear? Is that why you can't? Like, what, what, what does it look like? Have you seen what it looks like? John Boy, whatever this stuff. I think is? there's all different kinds. Karen Shacks was like black yesterday, uh, so I, I don't know if there's a consistent color. Well, I guess it's not consistent that it works because Karen Shack was getting his ass handed to him in the ninth <laughs> inning last night. John Boy, before he got the final out, I mean, he was that that thing was blown blown to bits. Shane Bieber's win was almost out the window. So I guess it's not guaranteed to always work. I imagine if yeah, you're saying no, that's well, what's I mean, happening. Just improve your fastball, but you got to have. You got to have some skill already. I think it's just like corking a bat. You know, you can you can swing one bat and make great contact, and it will go this distance. And then you can in in batting practice, you can switch bats, have the same swing, and it will go a different distance. That's what this is. You can throw one fastball; it'll have this spin rate, and then you can dip your fingers into your glove and throw the next fastball. And now you've improved your fastball, and you didn't you didn't have to train in between or do anything different. It's you're just changing the equipment, really. Well, I guess John Boy of John Boy Media here on the Rich Eisen Show. I guess we're 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 now treading into the waters. Why I think maybe some some people don't want to talk about it is because you know just because somebody's going to a glove doesn't mean that's what they're doing. You know, I mean, we just basically accused the closer of the Indians last night of putting this gunk on his hands. Um, and is it always you know a, a slam dunk case when you see that happening that this is what is in fact happening in Major League Baseball, John Boy? Well, I don't, I don't know. No, probably not. I guess I shouldn't sit here and say that it's a slam dunk case, and yes, he's using it. But my guess would be that there, it's something. Uh, yeah, I think I think majority of pitchers put stuff on the ball, and I think um, 
I would say almost all are going to either like use the rosin and the sweat uh, or something to get more grip. I think it's the scraping the two fingers uh, in in this new concoction. I would say it's still majority. I would say I think even Bauer or someone said it's like six out of ten pitchers, seven out of ten, and then probably ten out of ten. The other what you can look for is if a guy ever rubs his forearm. I mean that that's sunscreen and rosin mixture that they're getting there, which can just give you overall like a better feel for the baseball. But it's that's been, I mean, technically is. I don't know. Technically, is illegal or legal? Because everyone says, "Well, they're just two things that you have on your body. You're not going to be able to police that." No, and no one seems to care about that. So, I, I don't know if you can say, "Yeah, he went to his glove or went to his hat." It's it's this new stuff that is instant cheating or whatever. But you can guess they're doing something. Let's just say this, then, John Boy here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's just say what is going on with baseballs uh, and those who are using it uh, to pitch and creating a spin rate that is not usually something that they could do just with their own talents, then the shift, then the concept that so many hitters are being sent to the plate without a sensibility of making contact or a shame of striking out. Is this why we're seeing so many no hitters in so many innings where there are no balls put into play? Is that what we're, is, are it's, we seeing this right here? John boy. Is yeah. That what it is? And then the biggest factor is that MLB uh, deadened the balls this season and they, they made it public. They announced that they were going to do it. Because the the ball was juiced in 2019, we saw so many home runs, uh, the most amount of home runs per game ever. I think in 2019 broke all sorts of records, and they wanted to get away from that because they think the home run isn't in a lot of action, and they thought that taking the home run out would bring more doubles and base hits, and batters would change their approach. But what they did, they deadened the ball, so it's lighter, it spins more out of the pitcher's hands, and it uh, is softer off the bat. So that, plus giving Carte Blanche to all the pitchers to use this substance um, because they told them that they're going to you know, take balls out of games and send them to a lab, but they're not, you won't get punished. We're just doing research. So now you have uh, a deadened ball and pitchers not scared to be doctoring the balls with this new concoction. So, yeah, that's why we have so many no-hitters. Okay, and so why? what do you think is going on with, with the baseball front office then? Because I know, I mean, the people that I know there, the last thing they want is cheating, and the last thing they want is anybody having a conversation like this. I mean, they'd much rather us talk about how great Otani is and T- Tatis and, you know, uh, Acuna. I could go down the list, and they are worthy of, of having a conversation. But it's, why would they allow, like, why would they let this go? And then... And no wonder Schilt goes crazy when Joe West is like, yeah, change your hat. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, now, now that makes complete sense that he's, like, flipping out when, when, when they go to his pitcher and say, change your hat. What, what do you think is happening yeah. here? What's happening? MLB culture forever has been keep everything within the walls of baseball. And if, if it leaks, then we'll let it leak for three years. And then if people get really upset, maybe we'll do something about it. Or maybe we'll give it another five years and then we'll do something about it. But I don't know. And, and the baseball thing, it's just um, ineptitude. There's a scientist out there, Dr. Meredith Wills, who does a lot of research on this. And we had her on our show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they got juiced. In 2017, and we saw a home run surge. They went back to somewhat normal in 18. In 2019, they were incredibly juiced. Uh, if you go back to 2014, it was a dead ball. It was like the least amount of home runs per game since 1981. So in the last you know, decade, we've had so many different products of baseballs, which is 
the main uh, equipment of the sport, and golf is very tight with their with their ball, with their the, what, what's allowed and what's not. And I I don't think it's on purpose. I, I you know I don't think that baseball juiced the balls. I, they, I think the story was they changed manufacturers and, and they got wound tighter. I, and then they did admit to dejuicing them and trying to deaden them, and and the desired result was more action, and it's led to <laughs> a lot less action. So it I, that's. That's also a story. Like I know that that story came out on the Athletic, and then uh, the Athletic wrote about this this uh, new sticky stuff. Right. And I think everyone thought people were going to care, but nobody seems to care about these two things that are drastically affecting the product. Then last, then last thing for you. What about the players? Again, your your media group and the shows that you put on uh, have tons of players, and players watch your stuff, and players respect your stuff. I mean, I saw. Chris Rose at the draft, you know, uh, with NFL Network, he loves doing the show that he's doing for you and John Boy Media and with you guys and the players that come on. You even said you had a couple talk about this. Did do they like it? Are they? Are, I mean, like, were they, like, what are the hitters thinking? I mean, I can imagine certain hitting coaches must be looking across at the pitchers in their locker room and just say, "Do you see what's going on with the hitters on this team?" I mean, uh, you know, do you see what's going on with. My ass is on the line. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm wondering what what are what are the players thinking about all of this? Yeah, I think it's always been hard because every every hitter shares a locker room with a pitcher who's probably doing something. I I, I think the vast majority and the main names in the Cardinals rotation don't use this new concoction and are proud that they don't and they don't like being lumped in when people say everybody does it. And they, I think that, you know, Schilt said he talked to his guys before going public. So I'm guessing they gave him the okay. And it was probably more than an okay. It was probably like, please say <laughs> something. We, we've had players um, reach out that know Trevor or, or know me um, asking to, you know, hey, can you guys talk about this? Uh, can you guys, because some hitters are getting sick of it. And, and now we had um, Real Muto go on the record yep. in the athletic article, mm-hmm. a catcher. Uh, if anyone he touches every ball thrown, basically he would know. And uh, I mean, he he catches them from his pitching staff, so it's a very interesting dynamic. But he went on record saying, "I want it to stop." So it, it's starting to get uh, louder from the players. But I, I think for a while it was, you know, I share a locker room with a guy that's also doing this, so I don't want to piss him off. I mean, Schultz, what he had to say couldn't have been more behind the scenes, right? He couldn't have lifted the kimono anymore. With his post game no. comment, right? Yeah, no, I, I think you know, I think the athletic article with the real Mudo and the Duvall quotes came out. Uh, Rosenthal and uh, Gorelli wrote that one. Mm-hmm. I think it came out like a week before. So this is like right. a slow build, and finally, that's why I said, "All right, I'll make a video on it and try to explain this and 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 get it as you know, dumb it down as best as possible." Uh, but we'll see. Still, seems like no one cares. Well, at least we're talking about it. Before I let you go, how yeah. how concerned about the Yankees are you? Pretty concerned. <laughs> Pretty concerned. They can't hit. I mean, they're bottom five in offense, and the other teams in the bottom five are the Pirates, the Orioles, and the Royals, I believe. No, not the Royals. It's it's like the Diamondbacks or another team that's not trying. <laughs> the Yankees are actively trying. <laughs> they are trying. And that's all that you know. Yeah. You know, uh, I, they 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 used to have half a dozen um, Lemayhews, John Boy, where, that could do everything and put the ball in play. And you know, the years when they won all those World Series, they weren't leading, 
you know, they didn't have any leaders, singular leaders, pretty much in home runs. Um, and that's how they beat you. They, they, they got the lead by putting the ball in play, putting the pressure on the opposition, and then sending Rivera out there when it came time to shorten the game. You know, and it's just, I, I don't recognize it. I just don't recognize yeah. it, you know? Tory came over and he implemented the stolen base and hitting runs and using speed. And this is, this team is the slowest team in all of baseball, and, and they get thrown out in the base paths twice a game. John Boy, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Everyone uh, should check out uh, your your breakdown on the subject matter that we just broke down over the last fifteen minutes. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you for having me. You got it. That's John Boy of John Boy Media. Check out everything that he puts out there. It's real. It's real. It's real. 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 He gets straight to the real, man. This is a problem, don't you think? It's a giant problem. Don't you think it's a giant problem? Because And it's something that, you know. It's a giant problem. It's contributing to what Mattingly said, that the, a lot of the games are just unwatchable. But there's no, like, we have met Rob Manfred. He's been on the show. Multiple times. Okay, yeah. and he takes seriously the fact that he's the guardian of the game. And, um, and, and so, I, I'm not sure about that. Now, you, you're not sure about it? I, I am, man. I am. And and it's just it's it's out of control. It's out of control. If they can and, if they can mid at bat take away a pitcher's hat, why can't we just resolutely these, right. get rid of all these quote unquote substances? But what are you going to do? Look, these guys like, are literally using? inspect everyone's gloves when they go to the mound, like like TSA, <laughs> like you know, empty your pockets, and you're on the mound. <laughs> let me look at your glove. Like the umpire, when the pitcher comes out to start every inning, I'm looking at your glove. What is that in your glove? Like literally, that's the only way to stop it. And then maybe they'll find a different place in which to 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 get this material. Yeah. I don't, I don't know because it's. And I, I will just say this: if if baseball the commissioner in his office and all the people, I know a bunch of people who work there, and they're all you know. Good people. And I, and I don't and so, doubt that no, they don't care about no, the game. No, I know but. that. I, all I'm saying is that if they are so concerned about the watchability of the game to the point where let's get a pitch clock, let's make sure that you cannot change pitchers, lefty, righty, the LaRusa stuff from the 80s that went crazy in the 90s and the aughts and the teens where this guy comes in, throws one pitch, you're out. Now you come in because it's a lefty-righty situation, and I'm looking at the numbers, and suddenly an inning's now taking ten minutes long. They've got they've done away with that. They've done away. They're trying to speed the game up. Pace of play is not the problem. Not the problem. Lack of action is the problem. It is the problem because even when it was tight last night, three-three game, seventh inning, New York versus Tampa, Yankee Stadium, game was essentially. Up for grabs. Even then, I felt like something's a little off here. Oh, yeah. The two runners on didn't put the ball in play, and the two that were out didn't put the ball in play. All I'm watching is the umpire strike, foul ball, strike, swing and a miss, ball, foul ball, strike. Oh, he's kept the play alive. Like, it just nothing happened. And then the one ball put into play was exciting. Head first dive to make the catch. And so then I guess you forget about the fact that there was no balls put into play until that. I guess, but. but that's just 
leaves you with a feeling like, okay, let's just get it to extras and then we'll get our, our man put in scoring position and see which reliever can retire three in order with a man on base. It's but, kind of but, like, it's it's just not the way I want to watch the game. It no. doesn't leave an impression that that's just like, makes me want to come back the next day. And the point on the extra innings, how many times have you seen a game that's 3-3 three, three going to extras, and the final score is 11-8. to eight. Yeah, I know. Well, it's because it's like college football overtime where you remove a certain aspect of the game, which is you got to get on base in order to score. And in the same way in college football overtime, eventually is decided which team fails in going for two. Yeah. This game is now decided in which team fails to get the runner in scoring position across and which team does. And sometimes both of them do multiple innings until a big inning happens because you're getting to the ninth guy in the pen who probably pitched the last three days. We'll take a break. Set up the rest of the week when we come back. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What is going on with you, Jim Brockmeyer and Brett Musburger? This is my Musburger face. <laughs> no, you can't put that to bed, Rich Eyes. You know why you can't put it to bed? Okay. Because he's a punk. That's why. <laughs> Brett Mus- Mus- Musburger is a P-U-N-K punk. The man is a thief. Okay? Brett Musburger is a thief. How so? Stole my line. What line was that? This is for all the Tostitos. Remember that? This is for all the Tostitos. Remember when he said that? Everybody in the business, no, it's not funny. Everybody in the business knows that was my line. But he went ahead and used, that's what I always yell when I climax inside of a woman. (laughs) Or or when I'm just, when I climax all by myself. Musburger knew that was my line. He used it anyway at the BCS title game. And ever since then, now I have to yell out, uh, ruffles have ridges. And it's not... (laughs) It's not the same thing. So verdict? What's the verdict of all that? What's, what did you take from that? He's a punk. Musburger's a punk. That's right. Here he is, Brent Musburger. How are you, Brent? Hey, Rich. Rich, I'm great. Listen, uh, you guys, you and the producers, you deserve, oh, man, a pat on the back. I'm so proud of you guys for trying to help resurrect little Jimmy Brickmeyer's career. We all know the problems. We all know the problems that he had in the past. But I, mm-hmm. if, if anybody if anybody can help Brickmeyer, it's you, Rich. Yeah, well, he says that you stole all the Tostitos from him, Brent. Is that is that true, or what do you know? 
from back no, in the day? I got paid. I got paid by a company <laughs> to drop the name. I got three Tostitos for a week. What are you talking about? Okay. What's he talking about? You okay. know? All right. uh, the man's delusional. We, we we know he's got mental problems to break down, you know. It's really interesting yeah, because as we started these sin here in Las Vegas and uh, Brickmeyer was having trouble getting a job. So so he, he yeah. called our executives and you know, I gotta be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Don't don't tell anybody okay. this, but we always we always talk to prospective announcers just to get an idea. Do they really know anything about sports gambling or are they just pretending? And I, I gotta tell you, our general manager he interviewed Brick Meyer and <laughs> Ask him about uh, uh, a three-team parlay, and and our and our boy Jimmy, mm-hmm. he thought that that was two hookers with him in a Morristown hotel room. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, Jesus, we would have loved to help him out, but uh, wow, but we just can't. I wish him the best. He's so delusional, and uh, listen, let him go at it. We're all at Tostitos, baby. I mean, whoever wrote Brent's stuff is phenomenal. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. I want to tell you, if you already don't know about the Golf Virtual Channel, uh, Rory McIlroy has teamed up with Peacock to bring you the Golf Pass Channel. You watch premier instruction and entertainment from the Golf Membership Program plus daily news from Golf Channel. Sign up at PeacockTV.com and start streaming now. And obviously, that's a way you can see us every day. As we take things over from Dan Patrick to brother from another, um, who, which starts 10 minutes from now. We do that every single day here on NBC Sports on Peacock. Matt LaFleur was just asked about Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> this just came across my timeline on my, my email chain. Yeah, I um, saw it. Matt LaFleur, when asked if he expects Aaron Rodgers at minicamp next week, quote, I've got nothing to update on that situation. I don't know. We'll see come Tuesday. <laughs> so there's that. So, hey, look, what do you want head coaches to say? I mean, perfect example. No, Arthur Smith was asked today, "Hey, uh, what's going on with Julio Jones? Do you expect to see him at your mandatory mini camp? Well, mandatory mini camps next week and the week after." Uh, this is what Arthur Smith had to say. Do you anticipate Julio is going to be at minicamp next week? Yeah, you know, we kind of want to win last week. We got conversations. We have conversations all the time with all our players. Uh, There's good communication going back and forth through multiple uh, avenues. So we'll see what happens next week and where we're at, you know. Is it kind of frustrating knowing that there's so many questions about Julio right now and you want to answer questions about the guys, you know, that are there and, um, you know, you're, you're trying to install your new culture and everything. Is it frustrating to have to keep kind of like addressing that? No. Part of the job. Part of the job. And by the way, and I appreciate uh, both coaches not going to the coaching cliche tree. <laughs> if you're just new here or you've been here before, uh, I apologize for repeating it. But if you're new here, there are in my 18 plus years of now covering the National Football League, there are three coaching cliches that are used more than any other. One is, it is what it is. Could have gone there, right? It is what it is. And then your follow-up question is like, well, what is it? And is he going to be there? And then the other coaching cliche number two is, I don't have a crystal ball. 
Literally, he could have done that right now. Is 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 uh, Julio going to be there next week? I don't have a crystal ball. Got a magic eight ball. I do, I do, I do. But Arthur, but you can't not. even say that because you ask the magic eight ball a True. question that there's a definitive answer to, and as True. you know, this ball never lies. Right. Exactly. The crystal ball, you just you just don't have it. I don't have one. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 the interesting thing is, in the similar way that. A coach uses a cliche, this isn't on the top three, of like, they can't take this away from us. <laughs> I don't know who's they trying to take it away from us. <laughs> I guess whoever Skip Bayless is co-hosting with? I don't, I don't, is that it? I don't know. Like, who's, the, who's attempting to take this away from you? Nobody is. Nobody. Who's attempting to take away your championship away from you? <laughs> so, you know, in the same way that I would love to see somebody literally show up and say, I'd like to take that Lombardi trophy away from you. I'm the they. I'm here. I'm they. You can't take this away from me. I'd literally love for a coach to basically say, I don't have a crystal ball. And the member of the media go, here, here's one. Would you mind looking into that first? And I've tested it. It it works. And the third coaching cliche each one of them could do, each one of them could do is I'm, I can control only what I can control. Control only what you can control. That's my mantra. That's how I've, I've always coached. And that gets swapped out at this very time of the year for these very situations. I'm only talking about the guys that are here. And Arthur Smith had an opportunity to do it, passed on it. And I don't know who the member of the media is who asked that last question. Literally served that cliche <laughs> up on a tray within the construct of the question. Are you frustrated by the fact that you probably only want to talk about the guys that you're coaching and you're asked about the guy who's not here? And Arthur Smith says, no, it's part of the job. Which, honestly, I wish I had a tissue here. It just kind of chokes me up. (laughs) I've never seen that before. And it just chokes me up. Given the opportunity to use the cliche, he passed on it. God bless you, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith is next level. Yeah. Next week's going to be, as the kids say, let, who's there, who's not. And they'll all be there, and they'll all be talking, and NFL News is going to be back. In the meantime, we'll just talk about the Clippers and tonight's quadruple <laughs> header. Let's go. Quick, quick, quick. Yes or no? Sixers win tonight. Yes or no? Hurry. No. no. Clippers win tonight. Yes or no? Yes. Oh. Jazz finish off the Grizzlies tonight. Yes or no? Yes. Do the Knicks extend the playoff series against the Hawks tonight? No. I say yes. Great finish, everybody. (laughs) And I don't have a crystal ball. Hey! I don't have one. Do you? 